And he came and he, he fulfilled the law. Jesus said, I didn't come to, to do away with the law, but I came to fulfill the law. Because the reality is, is that we're broken when we come into this world. We're born broken. We're born with something missing. Matter of fact, in a couple of weeks, I'm going to spend an entire message uh, what, I, what I ministered on the conference about talking about what is missing, why we're incomplete, why we're broken, and what, what Christ came to do to fix it. But, but Jesus came because the law, all the law could do was point out our failures and, and show us how bad we were doing. But it could never fix the problem. It could never cleanse us. It was just the plumb line. It was just the, 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 the thing to show us how bad things really were, actually. And Jesus came and said, you know what? The law has to be filled. The wages of sin is death. The law has to be fulfilled. It has to be paid. And he went to the cross and he died for us to pay for our sins. But when he rose again, he gave us a brand new life. Because it's just like the story of the mason jar. You guys know how, how mason jars work, how canning works, at least the old days when they did canning in a jar. Does that make sense to anybody else why they still call it canning when it's in a jar? <laughs> But what they do is they take these jars, right? And in order to can the jar, in order to, to get your, 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 your nice bottle of, of preserves, of jam, you've got to start with a jar. And how many know you can't just take the jar and start putting the fruit and stuff in it? Because if you do, then bacteria will be in there. There'll be all kinds of junk and mess inside of there. No matter really how good you clean it, you can clean it as, as well as you can with, the, with soap and water. But that's not going to be enough. That's not going to sterilize it. it. It might look good, but there's still junk going on. And if you put the lid back on with the stuff in there, then you're going to have a mess. You're going to have bacteria. You're going to have mold. You're going to have all kinds of gross stuff. So what they do is they start the process is they run these jars through a sterilization process that kills everything. It kills all the bacteria. It's like when Michelle's at work, they have a, what she calls a sterile field, which is where, where only non-sterile stuff can be, so it won't get contaminated. And they run all their instruments through, through machines to clean them, and all the stuff that comes in packages, when it opens, is perfectly sterile. There's nothing on it. And that's why they can use it to operate on you. So we take this jar, and we run it through the process, and we completely sterilize it. And it looks like a good jar. And it's perfect, it's clean, there's, there's nothing inside of it. It's not, but how many of you just want an empty jar? You know what you have to do with the jar once you clean it? You've got to fill it with something. And that's what happened when Jesus, Jesus went to the cross to clean us, to make us, to forgive us for our sins. Wiped the, the, the stain of sin away, made us perfectly clean. But the problem is, if that was all it was, we'd be a big empty jar. But instead, when he rose again, we were filled with his Holy Spirit. We were filled with his Spirit. We have him inside of us now. Amen? Amen. So as we talk about this, we talk about on, on Easter, we're talking about how he rose from the dead. He made us clean. He made us new. The question that is immediately comes to my mind, and it's going to come to the mind of the people that you speak to in the world is, why the heck did this have to happen? That seems like God's a pretty cruel God that he would send his son to the cross. I mean, why do I want to serve a God like that that would do something awful like that? And the question they begin to ask is, why do I even need a Savior? I've got to fix this so it quits turning on me. Every time I turn this around, it spins around. It's upside down. There we go. But the truth is, and, and, and we all know, right? I'm preaching in the choir this morning, right? But the Scripture says that we all fall short of the glory of God. The truth is, is that we are born into this world broken. We are born missing something. We are born in a broken state, already a slave to sin, already a slave to death, and there's nothing that we can do about it. 
And we all fall short. And the truth is, when you're talking to people and you're telling them about this, because we, we know the scripture, right? Uh, in Romans, it says that all fall short of the, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And that's it. And we believe that, right? We believe in the Bible. But a lot of times when you're talking to people, they don't believe yet. So we can, we can quote scripture to them, and that's good. I think you need to, because the word says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, right? They need to hear the word of God. Your testimony is a great thing. Your testimony will open the door for you to speak to them, but your testimony will never save anybody. Your testimony doesn't have the power to save. Only the Word of God does. So at some point, we've got to get the Word into them. They have to be able to hear the Word of God. So uh, don't get me wrong. We need to use Scripture when we speak to these people. But on the other hand, they don't believe in the Word of God. Actually, the Scripture says that, that uh, to the world, the cross is foolishness. But to those who are, are being saved, it is the, the power to be saved. It's the power of God inside of us. But you don't have to read Scripture. You don't have to do that to know. You just got to live in this world for a few years to look outside and go, something's really messed up here. There's some stuff going on. You don't have to live in this world for very long to understand that there are, there are problems in this world. People do all kinds of evil, stupid stuff all the time. Whether it be small stuff, like people lying to one another, or... Uh, uh, gossiping about one another or, ta- or talking behind people's backs causing pain, which actually those can turn into some of the most damaging things that ever happen. As relationships are destroyed, marriages are destroyed over something that seems as simple as, as dishonesty. But it, to, to the stuff that's going on in the Middle East right now, we have the, the bombings that just happened in, in, in Belarus. How do you say that? Is that right? Belarus? Is that you say it? We had the bombings that just happened, and ISIS just claimed responsibility for that. There's, I mean, how messed up do you got to be to start bombing people just to make a statement? Yeah, it's evil. And you go, well, that makes sense. I mean, but these are all adults. These are all people that are, I mean, they've been in this world a long time. Something's happened to them. But the truth is we, we see it even in children that there's something wrong. You hear stories way more often than I would like to, to admit about, you know, 10-year-olds killing 7-year-olds. That, there's something inside of us that needs to be fixed. And it doesn't take long to realize that, that we all, all fall short. Everybody feels it in some instance. They, they, they understand that they're not living the way they should. I mean, we're, we're born with morality in our hearts because there is a God. And we know, even if you're not saved, you know that some things aren't right and some things are. You know that there's evil and that there's good. And people get that. And we also understand, as Christians, that the result of sin is death, right? We all know that, that uh, uh, Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. So as we begin to tell people, one, you have to understand, and, and, and they know that there's something wrong, there's something missing, that there's something broken, there's something wrong with this world. And then instinctively we know that that has to be paid for. You don't have to tell, that's why people feel guilty when they do something wrong. There's an instinct inside of us that says that something has to happen. There's a consequence for these actions. And of course the scripture says the consequence ultimately is death. But you don't have to read the scripture for people to know it. I mean, that's why they feel guilty. They know. 
And the truth is, there is a consequence for our actions, for our sins, in eternity, which we know. Because if you don't receive Jesus, you will go to hell. And that's a fact. But that's not the good news. We should never preach that they're going to hell. It's a valid question to ask them, but that should never be the focus when we speak to people about Jesus because that's not the good news. The good news is, is, is that you have a way out of it. That God has came to free you from that. But there is a consequence eternally for the sin. But there's also, people get that because there's consequences in real life too, right? Because when you lie to somebody, relationships get damaged. When you, if you murder somebody, you're going to go to jail. If you get caught, there are consequences in, our, in life as well as eternity for these things. So that's something that's easy for people to understand. And then finally, the reason that we need a Savior, one, is, is, is yeah, we're born broken. There, there's something that has to be fixed. Two, that, that uh, the result of this brokenness is death. There's no way out of it on our own. But three, God is a righteous God. Now that's a tough one right there because there's a reason why God had to, because God could just let everything go. He could just let the world be to its own devices and, and let evil beget evil and, and it, it'll eventually blow up on itself. He could just turn his back and walk away if he wanted to. But the fact is, is he loves us and he loves every one of them out there and he desires more than anything to have a personal relationship with them that's why we were created that's why Adam and Eve were created in the first place so that they could have fellowship with God so that they could have a relationship with God so that they could be friends with God and he wants that for the whole world but the problem is is we have God as a righteous God he's perfect in every way and 1 John 1:5 it says this is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. Have you ever noticed that light and dark don't mix? I mean, what happens when you go into a room and you flip on the light switch? You ever seen little globules or pockets of dark just floating around? You've got to push them out of the way? The lights are on. Let us through. No, when the light comes on, what happens to darkness? It's destroyed. It's gone. It can't, darkness cannot exist where there is light. And we see this every day when we look around us. Where there's light, there cannot be darkness. There's a reason why we have flashlights, because it pushes the darkness away. But you've never seen a dark, 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 I don't know. You can't, there's no such thing as a, a I was going to say a dark light, but that doesn't make sense, because light is light. A dark beam. You don't see it, because it, doesn't, it can't happen. You can't turn on dark and push the light away. But what we do know is they can't coexist at the same time. And there's no darkness in God. So if there's darkness in us, how can we fulfill that role to be in a relationship with Him? So that's why something had to be done. That's why He sent His Son. Because we had to be reformed into His image and put back into His marvelous light. Amen? So then the, if, if we can tell them about that and we can get them to understand that something has to be done, that shouldn't take that, too, that much convincing. I think most of us understand. Matter of fact, Paul said in the Scriptures that, that we are without excuse because the mountains and the tree, I mean, the world testifies of Him. You know, I, 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 I walk out at night and I look up at the sky and I see the stars and it's, it's impossible for me to even imagine somebody could look at that and think that there is no God, that that just happened. And matter of fact, statistically, I believe over 50% of all scientists believe in intelligent design. They may not believe in our God specifically, but they believe that it didn't happen by accident. 
And this is of the world. Fifty percent of the world's scientists believe that it didn't happen by accident. Something happened. And I, I don't. And if that's that's the you know the, the 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 some of the smartest people in the world who only believe in science, they they uh, even they believe there's some sort of intelligent design. Then the people that we're going to speak to on the, I mean, they know. The world testifies that there is a God. So then the question that can be asked is, is there any other way? Right? Because that's the first thing we try to do as people, right? Begin to work out how we can make ourselves right with God, right? I mean, before you got saved, you probably did it. Even, even, when, even after I knew about God, I knew about Jesus, I hadn't quite understood the concept of what salvation really was. I didn't understand it was as simple as receiving Christ into my heart and, 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 and letting Him work inside of me. I thought I had to get things right. You know, so I would lay out my list of things that I had to do right. And I would try so hard not to sin. And when I did, I'd feel awful because I knew it was wrong and I wanted to do good. And I tried so hard not to sin. And that's what happens when people think they can do it in their own power. They try and they try and they try and they fail and they fail and they fail. Even the, the people that, are, that we might think of as the most perfect people in the world, they're not. Because they're a slave to sin. Whether they believe it or not. It's one of the things that, that I think is so crazy when people want to tell me, I don't, you know, I don't want to be a Christian because it's so restrictive. There's so many things that I can't do. I just want to be free. And I'm like, you're not free. Yes, I am. I can do whatever I want. Like, you can do whatever you want. They're like, yeah, I can do whatever I want. I said, okay, tonight when you go out, I want you to not smoke and not drink and not, and not mess with the girls. And they're like, if you can get one, you can really challenge. They won't be able to because they're a slave to that world. They think they're free. That's the greatest, the, one of the greatest plans of the enemy is to make them believe they're free when really they're in so much bondage they can't even see. There's chains wrapped around their eyes. They can't see how bad it really is. But Jesus wants to set them free for all that. In John fourteen six, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The reality is, is that Jesus is the only way. And there's, uh, people take offense to this in a lot of ways. And there's a couple ways. One, they somehow think that, well, I'm basically a good person. And the, 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 the reason why you know you have an issue with that is you have to qualify that. You, they don't say I'm a good person. They say I'm basically a good person. When you have to qualify it, you know there's an issue, right? And they think that, I don't know where, maybe I heard it at the conference, but someone gave an example of, of uh, if there was a contest to jump from the East Coast all the way to England. And that, that was the goal. You run, take a running jump and you want to run from the, from the beach and make it all the way to England. And you put me up there and you put an Olympic long jumper up there. And, and we're getting ready, we're training and we're ready to go. And this is an Olympic, I mean, world record Olympic long jumper. And we both get started. And we take our run and we begin to jump. How many know the, the, the long jumper is going to jump a little bit farther than me? Or a, a lot farther. Let, let's be honest. A lot, <laughs> lot farther than me. But I'm going to float farther than him. He probably got 0% body fat. He's just going to sink. But he's going to jump a lot farther than me. But when you back up and you kind of look down at, at what's trying to be accomplished, well, none of us made it even close to England, right? It doesn't matter how much farther than me he jumped. And that's when you're saying, when I'm basically a good person, somebody can be really, really good and they're trying to 
across the gap between us and God, it doesn't matter how good they are because when you step back and take a look at what actually has to be covered, you haven't made even a dent in the distance. We need Jesus for that. And the other one is other religions, right? You're going to hear that a lot. Why is Christianity the only one? And, and people will ask that. Why? It's, it's, look at all these other religions. How can you say that you're only, only one? Can't we all get along? Let's coexist. Slap a bumper sticker on and sing Kumbaya. You know, they want us to... The, but the reality is, is there's a difference between Christianity and every other religion. Every other... There, there's one primary difference. In every other religion, it's about you getting right with God. It's about what you can do. If you live the right kind of life, if you're pious enough, if you give away enough stuff, if you're nice enough, if you... And there's all these rules that you have to follow to be good enough to get to God, right? But it's ultimately, that's what we try to do. It's, it's, it's in our instinct to try to somehow make ourselves right with God, so we come up with all these crazy harebrained ideas on how we can do that. I wouldn't recommend telling somebody that the, what they think might be a valid religion is harebrained. It's not going to get you anywhere. But that's what it is. It's, it's the truth is, is that the only way to, 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 to the Father is through Jesus. And you want to know what the difference is? God came to us. Because the reality is, is there's no way that we can fix it ourselves. There's no way that we can be good enough. We can't live a good enough life. The reality is, is even if somebody was born and never sinned their entire life, they still wouldn't cross the gap because they were born broken. And it's one of those things, too. It's such a foolish argument to make when people want to, what if somebody never sinned? Would they be good enough? Well, truthfully, no. They're, they were born with something fundamentally missing inside of them. But the reality is that's a silly argument because it can't be done. Everybody sins at some point. And why? Because we're a slave to sin. Even if you want to do good, you won't do good. And we'll talk about that in a couple of weeks when we talk about Paul really deals with that. You see, in Christianity, God loved us so much that he came to us. He said, you know what? I recognize that there's no way that you'll ever be able to make it right. But I love you so much and I want to have a relationship with you so much that I'm going to find a way. And what he did is he said, you know what? The wages of sin is death, and that's true. And I'm a perfect God. I'm a righteous God. There is no darkness in me, so I, have to, I can't interact with those that have darkness that aren't righteous. And I don't know. I mean, God's God. I'm sure he had to plan the whole time. But in my head, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, what can I do? How could I do this? You know what? I will send myself and then I will, I will go to the cross for them. And I, I will die, and I will pay the price, because the wages of sin, that has to be paid for. I, I can't just turn a blind eye. Uh, that has to be paid. So I'll send myself, and I'll pay the price. And then I will give them my life inside of them to replace that broken one that they had, so that they would be made brand new. And if they have my life living inside of me, then I am righteous. Then there, there's no more darkness in them. The law was fulfilled because death had to be, the wages of sin was death that had to be paid, so he paid it himself. And then he made us brand new and clean and perfect. If you ever needed evidence that you were righteous, just the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. And he couldn't if you weren't righteous. So if we can talk to people and we can, we can let them know that, hey, that there, there's an issue that needs to be fixed. And obviously when we're doing this, we're always doing it in love. 
We're always doing it because we, I mean, that's the whole reason we go out into the world, right? Because we love them like Jesus did. If we didn't care, we wouldn't bother. There's the, I just had that, that example that I've seen before that, that uh, Penn and Teller, which one's the big guy, Penn and Teller? The Las Vegas, huh? Teller? Las Vegas magicians, Ben and Teller. Teller's the real big guy. I think he's got a, a ponytail. And, uh, but he's an atheist. He's a proclaimed atheist. He's pretty vocal about it. And uh, there was this man that came up to him after one of his shows. And he gave him a, a, little, a little Bible and, and said, hey, I, know, I said, hey, I just want to give this to you. I want you to know that God loves you and he's got a plan for your life. And he gave Teller this Bible. And that's just, a, that's just a Christian who knew what they're supposed to be doing, ministering the gospel. And that was pretty bold to come to some famous guy, and he probably knew that he was an atheist. Matter of fact, right afterwards, Teller went and did a little video blog and, and recorded a video and put it on YouTube, and he said, he says, you know what, this, I just want to talk about this guy who came up to me after the show, and he cared about me enough to come up to me and, and give me this Bible. And he says, and I believe he knew that I was an atheist. I believe he knew that I, I didn't believe in God, but he came up anyway. He cared about me enough that he came up and gave this to me. And he said, he says, now I know there's not a God. I believe there's not a God. He's like, I, don't believe, I know there's not a God. He says, but this man believes there is. And he says, and he believes what's in this book. And he says, and if you believe what's in this book, how much do you have to hate somebody to not tell them about it. This is an atheist that's saying that. He understood. He appreciated the fact that the man was standing up for his beliefs, but he said, that's the, what he said was, how much do you have to hate somebody to not tell them about this if you believe what's in this book? And that's why we tell people, because we love them. We want them to be safe. We want to rejoice with them. So the truth is, the gospel is super simple. We just tend to try to overcomplicate everything in our lives, but the gospel is super simple. In Romans 10.9, it says, Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. Matter of fact, write that verse down because you can use that one. You can say, hey, confess with your mouth and believe in your heart and you will be saved. I don't have to do anything else. Nope, you don't have to do anything else. You just have to confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's it. Romans 10.9. In Acts 16, 30-31, we get to see that in action. And this is the Philippian jailer. You remember that uh, Paul and Silas are in prison. They start worshiping God. The walls come tumbling down. The jailer's going to kill himself because he thinks all the prisoners escaped. But Paul says, hey, no, we're, don't, you know, stop what you're doing. We're all here. And not only was Paul and Silas still there, but even all the other prisoners who were probably legitimate criminals, they stuck around too. That's God right there. He says, hey, no, we're all here. And the jailer finally says, uh, he, he brings them out and he says in Acts 16, 31, it says, when he brought them out, he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said to him, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. He said, Just believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. And then he said, You and your household. You know, that's an exciting thing right there. Because when you get saved, you're going to have, have an impact on your household. You're going to have an impact on those around you. And you'll eventually, they have to believe themselves is true. But man, they're one step closer now that you're a Christian. And they're going to hear the gospel. And, and it's going to make an impact in their hearts. And sometimes it takes time and, and diligence 
But the truth is, is that they, they see what's going on inside of you. So don't be discouraged. Keep it up. You see, the problem that we have with salvation, and that most people have, is we can't believe that it's so simple. We can't believe that it's a gift. I mean, if you step back and think about what you've been given, it is mind-blowing that it was given for free. Absolutely mind-blowing. I mean, we, we would get crazy if, if someone came up and, and, and that you'd never met before and they, they buy you a meal. Or if you've ever bought somebody a meal at a restaurant, have you seen how excited they get? And they just can't believe it. It's a meal. You, know, you may spend nine bucks on them. Or you went, you, you, know, you went way out of your way and fed a family and it cost you 40 and they're blessed, and they're, they're like, man, I can't believe, why would somebody give this for me for free? Or when you see even bigger gifts, we've, we've given people much bigger stuff, and they're just blown away. How, how could somebody give me something like this? And what God has given us is so big in comparison. I mean, it would be like if, if, if the president showed up and gave us the keys to the country and said, hey, it's all yours. It would be mind-boggling, and he would give something that free. And if you're listening, I'm not opposed to that. We'll give you a hand, but... Uh, uh, that would be mind-boggling, right? How would you give this for free? It shouldn't, shouldn't it cost something. But God gave something that's so much greater than that that it makes it look like somebody tossed you a penny by comparison. When He gave us new life, He gave us everlasting life, forgiveness and a brand new life. And all of a sudden, when you start hearing stuff like that, because we want to do something for it, right? We, there's got to be penance. We have to do something. We have, you know, we have to. Uh, it's like the people that I think it's in the Philippians that that uh, reenact the the passion. They reenact the walk of Christ, and they beat themselves on their back with whips. And because somehow they've got it, they understand that they have forgiveness, but they've got it convoluted in their mind. They think that they have to owe, they have to pay the same price that Jesus did to reach that salvation. But the truth is, is given freely as a gift. And we can't understand that. We can't figure out why somebody would give something so, so much just for free without any cost. And, and we begin to think, what, what do we have to do to earn this? And that's why it's such a struggle sometimes. Because you can't earn it. It's a gift. Ephesians 2, 8-9, through 9, it says, For by the grace of God you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not as a result of work, so that no man may boast. Matter of fact, God did it this way, so you could never say, I got myself into heaven. Because you can't. And it's a free gift. And, and we just we have a hard time accepting that. Even people in this room right now have a hard time accepting free gifts. When people try to bless you, you're like, oh, no, no, you don't have to do that. No, no, you, you know, we want to... We were just talking to John uh, the other day, and he was talking about he was working with a pastor that used to buy him lunch every day. And, and the... That was right, right? Well, he told me about it too. So, uh, <laughs> anyway, he's, he's with this pastor, and the pastor buys him lunch every day. And finally, John's like, hey, you, know, you don't have to do this every day. You don't have to. And the pastor says, don't try to steal my blessing from me. Because the pastor is being blessed by blessing John. And the truth is, even something that small, we have a hard time accepting. But God gave us something so big. And it was free. It was a gift. All you have to do is believe. All you have to do is receive it. It's a, that's crazy. And that's the craziest thing about it. It's already been giving. Because the, the, the Scripture says that, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That means He didn't die for those who just were saved. He died for everybody. The sins of the entire world. I'm not even on my page anymore. And He gave that to all of us for free. 
And I think if we could impress on people that, hey, stop struggling, stop striving to do it in your own right, and just trust God. Just let God. We're going to be able to see a difference. As I was writing this out, as I was thinking about how I would, I would talk to people, I started thinking about what does it mean to be saved? And that's something we can tell people too because it's more than just having your sins forgiven. That's a great, it's more than just going to heaven one day. And it's true, our sins are forgiven, right? Hebrews 8.12 says, I will be merciful towards their inequities and I will remember their sins no more. That's, that's a good promise, right? Because we're saved, he doesn't remember our sins. First John 2, 2, it says, He is the propitiation of our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. It's like I was just saying earlier, it's for the sins of the entire world. Everybody's sins are forgiven. Do you know that nobody is going to hell because of sin? Of their sins, their personal sin? Nobody's going to hell because of their personal sin. Sin's been dealt with. They're going to hell because they haven't received the free gift of God. They haven't received the free gift of life. They've opted to pay for their sins themselves, even though somebody has already paid for them. That's one of those things where it's, it's crazy when we go to people, you, know, that you see people yelling out at homosexuals that, you know, uh, homosexuals go to hell and they're, they're talking all these things. They're, they're, they're being homosexuals, not sending them to hell. Them not receiving Christ as their Lord and Savior is what's going to send them there. He was propitiation for our sins, and this is 1 John 2, 2 again, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. He paid for the sins of the entire world at that one point in time, perfectly and forever. And all we have to do is receive that free gift. We also know that you're going to go to heaven, right? John three thirty six <clears throat> says, Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. There's going and saying again, you receive the Son, you have eternal life, you're going to heaven. If you don't, that wrath remains. You've opted to pay for it yourself. You know that if you're saved, healing is available as well. First Peter 2.24, He himself bore our sins in, the, in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. And, and by his stripes we have been healed. He took wounds so that we wouldn't have to. And people argue, no, that's talking about, that's, that's referring to Isaiah, it's referring to Isaiah 55, it's quoting that, it's referring to the nation of Israel, which is true. It's referring, referring to restoring the nation of Israel. But, and I believe it's in Matthew 17, when it says that Jesus healed everybody, it says, and this was to fulfill the scripture that said, by his stripes we are healed. So they, they understood it as personal healing, individual healing. So I figure if, if those guys, the apostles, understood that as personal healing, then we can accept that as a promise for personal healing as well, right? So being saved in Jesus, we are made well. That's a promise of God. We're going to be victor- when, you're, when you're in Christ, you're victorious over the sin of this world, over everything that's coming against you. Uh, Romans 8.37, knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And 1 Corinthians 15.57 says, But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. You will be victorious in Jesus. We also are promised peace in Jesus as well. Philippians 4, 7, And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And that's not just regular peace. That's not just like you're on the massage chair and you're feeling good and relaxed. That's a peace that comes from God. It's in spite of your circumstances. It's in spite of the knots that you have in your back. You can still have peace. And then my favorite thing. 2 Corinthians 5.17, we are made brand new. 
It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is past. Behold, new things have come. When you get saved, a miracle happens at that moment, the moment that you believe, and you are transformed on the inside. You are no longer who you used to be. Salvation is not just a good idea. Salvation is not just a new set of guidelines that we live our life by. Salvation is a miracle that takes place inside of you where you are remade brand new. It's the Spirit of God works inside of you and lives inside of you. Now the truth is, when we talk to people, we have to let them, we need to be honest with them. I think one of the, and I've, I've said it before, one of the greatest detriments that we have when we're, when we're telling people about Jesus is, is, is making them believe that it's going to be all lollipops and gumdrops after that. If you get saved, you're never going to have another problem in the world. If you get saved, God's going to make everything perfect for you. You'll never have an issue. You'll never have a problem. and Everything's going to be perfect. We've probably all heard that to some extent at some point, right? Did you ever at least hear that or heard people say that? I've heard that. I've heard that. That minister. That there's this idea that if you get saved, everything's going to be perfect. Now that's not the truth, and I don't think we should preach that because it's not true. Because it sure as heck hasn't been my experience. You know, I believe that there's some things that I haven't had to deal with because I'm a Christian. I believe God has has rescued me and shielded me from things because I'm a Christian. But I'm also acutely aware there's things that I've dealt with that I would not have if I had not been saved. And not least withstanding is persecution. You know, you don't get persecuted for being a Christian if you're not a Christian. But the truth is, is that when you get saved, you may even get some stuff that you've never dealt with before. But the promise of God, the great thing about God is, is you will be victorious, that you will overcome. Tough Things might get tough, but you're going to make it to the other side. God's going to walk through with you every step of the way. The difference is, is that before when the world came against you, when things came against you, you were, you were, you were lost. You were without hope. There was no uh, light at the end of the tunnel. Even if you got through that situation, at, at, the end of the, at the end of life was nothingness, was death. There was no way out. But in Christ, we are finally equipped to deal with the stuff that's coming our way. I've lost loved ones, and I don't understand how people can lose a loved one if they don't have hope that they'll see them again. I would be devastated if I, if I didn't believe that God was going to, that I was going to see them again. I was equipped to deal with the loss of my father because I'm a Christian. It doesn't mean that I didn't have to deal with it, but God was with me every step of the way. And every circumstance, every obstacle, everything that we come up against, God will be with us every step of the way. And I think that's what we need to tell people. So I hope this morning that uh, this was helpful, that we can be more effective at, at sharing the gospel with people. But I think the, the key things that we need to remember is that, one, the world needs it. And two, it's simple. It's so easy. The gospel was written so that, so that children could understand it. And it's so simple. Just receive the free gift of God. And I want to encourage you and challenge you as we go forward that, that we do that at every opportunity. And uh, keep in mind what old Teller said. How much do you have to hate somebody to not share the gospel with them? That's kind of a, uh, that was an eye-opening gut punch to me. But it's true. Amen?